All right, everybody, welcome back to T's and TD's podcast. We knocked the golf stuff out of the way, so this is really just going to be a TD's podcast, but it's a big weekend uh, for the NFL. It is super duper mega wildcard weekend. We get three consecutive days of playoff football. Spirits are just tremendously high right now. So we've got Aaron Martin back, and uh, we also have there, there's a group chat between the three of us. And the third, the third leg is is Jim Madalinsky. He is a reporter friend from Pittsburgh. The three of us spent a lot of time and spend a lot of time texting each other uh bad bets and uh terrible things that we do. And yet uh here we are uh continuing to lose money. So Aaron and Jim, welcome. Aaron, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic after a great week of football and I couldn't be more pumped for the playoffs. We, we, we did week 18 kind of right. The, the two of us, I would say, uh, despite telling people to stay the heck away last week, we couldn't resist and it turned out. Okay. And Jim Madalinsky, welcome to the pod, man. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I think my heart rate's finally come down about 24 hours after Sunday, the way that day played out. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought you said your, your heart rate was coming down because uh, a live shot in Pittsburgh uh, just it doesn't compare to the eight people who are going to be listening to the T's and TD's podcast. So um, we're, we're good here. So all good. All right, guys, let's hop right into it. Uh, this is really exciting. We're very just eager to chat about these games. Uh, we're going to play a little game called Lawyered. If you're a, fa- a fan of How I Met Your Mother, Marshall Erickson, who's a lawyer, uh, loves just bringing out contradictory points and screaming lawyered at the end. So we're going to talk about these games. Might ask uh, to make a point. What's the case for the other team based on kind of what we think about? And we'll kind of hopefully cover all these games and chat about them uh, in a smart and effective way as we get going here. So the first game on our slate is the first game of the weekend. It feels apropos to talk about. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Cincinnati. Uh, Jim, new guy, how do you feel about this one? I'm excited for this one, I can tell you that. Uh, I think that this sets up to be potentially one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. And it comes down to a few things. I know uh, the Bengals had beat them earlier in the year. And when you look at that game, it kind of got out of hand there in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, Joe Burrow has been phenomenal. And every time there's been a big game back to college in his career, he's found a way to step up the talent they have on the outside. It's hard to match. But when I look at the Raiders, somebody's going to have to block Max Crosby. And I thought about that Sunday night game. And if you watch that fourth quarter in overtime against the Chargers, I don't think I've ever seen anybody dominate a quarter and a half quite like he did. I mean, that right tackle for the Chargers was in Herbert's lap the entire last half of that game. And it was all Max Crosby. So I'm really excited for this one. I I completely watching that game. That guy lived Crosby lived in that backfield for the second half. So I think that's a really good point. Aaron, any thoughts on this game? Yeah. I mean, just like following up what Jim was saying, I absolutely love this game. And I think it's such a great matchup of styles. I love the Bengals. They are so much fun to watch. And part of what makes them so much fun to watch is because I have absolutely no idea what they're going to be doing each week. Some they show up sometimes and they look like the, the Bengals that played the chiefs or even that played the Raiders earlier in the season where you're going, who's going to stop Joe Burrow. Who's going to stop Jamar chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. There's so many options there on that offense. And that defense is good enough to keep them in games. And then they have other weeks where they just flat out look like the Bengals that we've always grown up watching. So I, I love this game for that reason. The Raiders have been basically playing playoff football for a month and have been playing it particularly well. I think they've, uh, they believe they've won four straight all by three points or less, and they played some pretty good teams. 
Uh, I, I think I picked a couple weeks ago that I really like the Raiders uh, to find a way to sneak into the playoffs. So I'll take a quick victory lap on that one. Uh, but even more so, I, I just like the way this team is made up. Derek Carr seems to make the right play when he has to. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really pumped for this game. And honestly, I think the Raiders may find a way to pull this out. You know, the, this line opened up at six and a half. It dropped very quickly to five and a half. So that's certainly something that's interesting. And the Raiders, I think, have shown a propensity that they can win games like this. I spent a little bit of time just sort of looking at quality wins for each of these playoff teams. Uh, Signature wins is sort of how I thought about them. And looking at some of the wins that the Raiders have had this year, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, at Dallas, at Cleveland, at Indianapolis, and the Chargers game. So this team has a ability to go. They've won six of those signature games. They have the ability to go on the road and play well. And that's certainly something that I'm excited to see kind of how they shake out. Uh, Darren Waller wasn't as involved in this game last week against the Chargers as I thought he might be. Clearly he's coming back. I would assume he's going to continue to be more involved. That offensive line's been really good. One of the other things I looked at, they're fourth in time of possession the last three weeks. So they've done a really good job of controlling the ball when they need to certainly something that's going to be interesting to see as they try and keep the Bengals offense off the field that incredibly potent offense and the total on this game is 48 and a half which also struck me as being a little bit low I looked at the weather in Cincinnati I think it's going to be relatively innocuous and no major issues so definitely a heck of a way to kick off this game uh, this wild card weekend Jim yeah, and you mentioned Darren Waller not being heavily involved. He's healthy, though, and Josh Jacobs was impressive Sunday night. He looked good coming back from injury, too. So, like you mentioned, I like the talent they have. Typically, my fear with Cincinnati would be they haven't been there before and they haven't done it before, but who really from the Raiders has either? I mean, this is one of those odd playoff games where there's not a lot of experience, not a lot of playoff experience. It makes you want to tend to lean towards the home team. The other factor is the Raiders are coming off that incredibly intense game, one of the wildest games I think we've ever seen. Coming across the country to Cincinnati, it has the potential to be a letdown, even though it is the playoffs, but I'm I'm not really sure either way on this one. I'm extremely torn on this game. Well, and I'm curious to get your guys' take on this because the Bengals have 30 years of playoff misery weighing on them. And a lot of those games were at home. I mean, we watched it happen in the Carson Palmer years, the Andy Dalton years. I think it's 1991 was the last time they won a playoff game. So uh, I'll ask you first, David, but how much do you think that weighs in to this and how much, if they get down by a touchdown early, does the crowd start to, to kind of turn on the team or at the very least get very nervous? And could that energy then translate onto the field? To go to Jim's point, to answer that, I just think Burrow is a different dude. And I think this offense is just different. They're all under 25. They all, with the the wide receivers, uh, not, I think Mixon and Boyd might be close, but you talk about Jamar Chase, you talk about T Higgins, you talk about Burrow. It just feels like this is, this is Burrow's got a whole ethos to him that, you know, the guy's smoking the cigar for LSU after, you know, now all of a sudden every guy's smoking a cigar after they quarterbacks winning the national championship. Stetson Bennett did it pretty quick after the game. So I, I just kind of get the vibe that, that this team is, is just different and that franchise history doesn't necessarily weigh on them as much as, as you'd like to maybe think. I totally agree with that. You, you talk about Joe Burrow's swagger. I mean, you see it on and off the field, the way he acts and it, more importantly, the weapons are there. And I, I think he is going to thrive under the idea of he's going to be the one that breaks that streak. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not the first go round because they have been an up and down team. But I do think eventually he could be the guy that gets them over the top and, and helps them make quite a run. Yeah. And, and I agree we... with that. I was just going to say, I love, love, love Joe Burrow. I'm just not totally sure if this is the year. I think they have some warts that, and the Raiders, I think are just a really, really good team and playing their best football. So we'll see, but I agree. I think Burrow is going to be the guy that gets them over that hump and is going to be one of the stars of the league for the next decade. I think the Kansas city win at home also was just one of those, that that was such a huge game. And, and I know that there was some weird stuff that happened towards the end penalties wise that, that helped them kind of finish it off, but certainly getting that win felt like these guys have some confidence for sure. Let's move on to the next game. Philadelphia going to Tampa Bay. I have a feeling somebody's going to get lawyered hard on this discussion. Let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to Aaron Martin first on, on this game, which is the, the first game on Sunday. So for me, this is the easiest game of the week in terms of how we think it's going to play out, at least in my mind. I think the Eagles are, are flat-out pretenders. I think they are not a very good football team. I think they beat up on a lot of very bad teams to get to this point. I mean, what does their offense do well? They run the ball. What does the Bucks' defense do well? They stop the run. They finish third in rushing yards allowed, fifth in rushing touchdowns allowed. And really, if you look at the first 12 weeks of the season, they were number one by a lot, by a, a very, very wide margin. Now that narrowed. And of course, they didn't finish first because of some injuries late, but they got people healthy again. Uh, Vita Vey, uh, Sue, uh, Levante Davids practicing. They, they're getting healthy on the front in the front seven right now at the right time. Eagles were 0-6 against playoff teams this year. And before last Saturday against Dallas, when they sat several starters, they haven't even played a playoff team since late October. So I just think this Eagles team is very suspect. We don't even know the condition of Jalen Hurts' sprained ankle, so he could be hobbled. I, I just think this is a situation where they get punched in the mouth in the first half and the Bucs don't look back. Jim, make the case. <laughs> This screams to me as one of those games where everybody goes into it thinking this will be the absolute slam dunk of the week and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to come in. And I, the numbers, I completely agree with there. And there's nothing on paper that will tell you the Philadelphia Eagles can win this game. I do like the fact that they led the league in rushing this year and that they have multiple options to run the ball. They're not the straight run it forward team that the Bucks have been able to stop all year. They have the quarterback option. They use that a lot. And the Bucks secondary is still a little banged up. They're not 100%, which could open things up for Devontae Smith, for Jalen Rager, if he wants to hold on to the ball, and for Dallas Goddard, particularly over the middle. The other thing that I like about this game from the Eagles' perspective and why I think the Eagles have a puncher's chance is if you're going to get Tom Brady in the playoffs, historically you want to get him early. When they lose, he tends to lose that first game. Typically, it's after the bye or something like that. But you got to get them early. They played earlier this year. The Eagles kept it to a six-point game. And that was when Tom Brady had Chris Godwin. Tom Brady had Antonio Brown. Gronk's playing well right now. But the Eagles have shown this year they can cover tight ends well. My biggest thing with a game like this is just the general aura that we've had in this NFL season. I just have a gut feeling that one of the seven seeds is going to win a game this weekend. And I don't think it's the Steelers. We've had so many weird football games this year. You had Buffalo going to Jacksonville. You had Jacksonville beating Indy last week where things just didn't seem to make sense. And there wasn't a number that could help you figure it out, but yeah, they haven't beaten the playoff team. 0 six is a number I had written down too, 
but they still came in kind of hot. They've won seven of nine. They were two and five to start the year. So they feel good about themselves, even if they were beating up on nobodies. And this just strikes me as one of those games where they can catch the Bucs off guard. It's the one o'clock game on Sunday. It's the least attractive time slot of the weekend. Attention's not really going to be there. And you might be able to catch the defending Super Bowl champs coming out flat. And that would be my argument for the Eagles. Lawyered. I had uh, no. I had uh, Philadelphia as having one signature win this year, and it was their their win at Denver. So, and Denver is not a playoff team, and that felt seven like, and ten. It, Denver felt like yeah. a pretty, right. pretty pretty good performance by them, and one that they obviously a victory that they took home. I think the recipe is absolutely there for the Eagles to attempt to run the ball successfully, keep Tom Brady on the Buccaneers sideline. And certainly the conditions are ripe for definitely a cover of eight and a half and possibly an outright win. So I think we kind of have that discussion pretty right. As much as everybody wants to dump on the Eagles for all the stuff that you guys talked about, that they, 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 their wins haven't been super impressive. And Jalen hurts. If, if, if hurts has to win them the game in the third quarter, quarter in the fourth quarter in the second half, then I'm not sure that this is going to be their game. And I think if, if they are able to, to pound the rock on the ground with that incredible offensive line, I certainly think there's, there's a world where this is a low scoring affair where they control the ball and they keep Tom Brady off the field. And Tom Brady doesn't have the weapons that he, that he had two or three weeks ago. So certainly the Bucks defense is getting a little bit healthier whether or not the game plan would be to somehow find a way to get Hertz to exploit the secondary. I mean, that credit to the Eagles. If they think that he can throw it, he hasn't shown a propensity to do that this year, but certainly it is Tom Brady. It is January. It'll be a fun one to watch. I actually have a wedding in Tampa. The groom is from Philadelphia. The bride is from St. Pete or area. Wow. The wedding is wow. it. The wedding starts at three 30 on Sunday. So tension's going to be high. Uh, Johnny, this might be over before. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a, a lovely and wonderful <laughs> marriage, and I'm very excited to go. Third game, the return gotta... of the return of playoff Lenny, we did not mention, which is a wild card That's in this. Big. And I I know that I was fighting the Eagles' cause here, but I thought about that today. He he was a gamer last year for them, and if he's fully healthy, he's a difference maker. For sure. New England traveling to Buffalo. Jim Madalinski, former Rochester sports guy extraordinaire, walk us through how you are evaluating and looking at this game. This game for me, obviously upstate New York, mid-January, weather, single digits, freezing cold is what I'm seeing right now for a Saturday night game. What I like from the Bills is that it seems, at least on paper, they learned a lot from that first Patriots game where the offensive game plan, everyone wanted to talk about the defense after that game, but to me, the offensive game plan, when you couldn't throw the ball in those wins, when you had to adjust, just was not there. In that game, I think Josh Allen had 30 rushing yards. Uh, One of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league didn't get used at all. Since that game, the Bills have averaged 161 rushing yards per game. Allen has averaged 63 on his own. That to me is a number that will need to be repeated Saturday night if the weather is bad. And that to me is what I think the Bills learned in that loss against the Patriots and why I think I would like them at home. Aaron. 
Yeah, I agree with Jim 100%. Um, I, I think we've also learned from the Patriots side of things that Belichick does not trust Mac Jones to go out and win a game right now. The last three, four weeks, we've seen it last week against Miami and not a meaningless game, but you know, it didn't Patriots were in either way, but certainly they had a chance to win the division. Mac Jones throws a couple early interceptions and you see the Patriots do what they usually do. Let's take the ball out of our rookie quarterback's hands. And, and we're also at the point now where this is his 18th game of the season. He's never played this much football in his life. Of course, at the highest level you could possibly be playing it. So I agree. I think the bills have a formula that they figured out one thing that worries me is that other than the most recent meeting between the Patriots and Bills, Josh Allen hasn't really been Josh Allen the last few weeks, uh, really going back probably to what early November. And that to me is a really, really big concern because if we get a, a Josh Allen performance where it's a like what we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, against or even last week against the Jets, where it's 13 seven in the third quarter, I think there's a lot of concern that the Patriots will find a way to, to pull it out and do just enough to win. So Josh Allen has to play like the superstar he is, and we're going to find out really quickly how much the Patriots trust their quarterback, and I think that will determine who wins this. Certainly tough for me to be objective. I've been, I've been honest about that. I am absolutely worried about this game for the Bills. I completely understand the perspective out there, and, and I think, honestly, that first game was informative of – the Patriots are not afraid to run the ball 43, 44 times in a game and lean on the guys that they know can, can run the football well and not ask Mac Jones to win the game. I spent a minute thinking about, well, I wonder, wonder what kind of cold weather environments Mac Jones has played in. And then I just thought about that game and how Belichick was able to, to scheme the win that way. I trust the Bills defense a lot. I think that the defensive line has played incredibly well in the last couple of weeks. Harrison Phillips has been amazing. Ed Oliver's had a really good year. Jerry Hughes coming off the edge. I really do feel like, and their linebacking core, I think has played a lot better as well. So I feel like there will be a scheme to load up the box and ask Mac Jones to come to Buffalo and beat them. That said, I certainly, there's something about this game that certainly still has me a little antsy as a, as a fan of the Bills. I do think that the, that the Bills can take care of business, but you're right. Josh Allen hasn't been incredibly crisp, especially in the first half uh, of some of these games, uh, passing the ball. And, and who knows what the impact of zero degree weather will have on that. The wind is not expected to be a factor, nor is the snow. So I, I do think there's a world where, where, Josh throws the ball incredibly well and, and the Bills offense clicks in the way that we saw them click at Gillette Stadium. That said, that and I think a lot of Bills fans feel the same way. This is the Patriots. They came into Buffalo and they won a game when it was a, a, a weird game plan type of game. And certainly, I, I certainly think it'll be interesting to, to see kind of how this shakes out and what the Pats offensive game plan is given the weapons that they have in the receiving game. This one just screams first to 20 wins if anybody can get to 20 uh, just the way both defenses have played for the better half of the last part of the year. And uh, I do think, you know, those single digit temperatures still make a difference, um, especially with as hard as Josh Allen throws the ball. So I, I, it just, I feel like it's just going to be a low scoring slugfest and one of those games that you anticipate coming down to a kick. Yeah. And just adding quickly to that point, you know, Mac Jones has said in interviews, he doesn't like playing in the cold. So he's going to have to get used to it if he's going to be playing playoff football in the Northeast. And beyond that, you know, I think nobody would argue the Bills have the more talented roster. And so as long as they can play up to that potential, which they've done on and off this season, I, I think they should win this game. 
San Francisco traveling to Dallas. This is not the first game we talked about, but it certainly feels like one of the more intriguing games. I feel like I haven't been able to figure either of these teams out. And I know that with all the parity that we've had in the league, that's certainly something that we could say about a lot of these games, given the topsy-turvy performances and inconsistent performances a lot of these playoff teams have. So Aaron, I'll let you take a crack first at this one and just kind of what you're thinking about as a guy who's, who's uh, even in the short history of this podcast, expressed some ups and downs uh, on the Cowboys. Go ahead. Yeah, so I actually love this game. This is my favorite game of the week. So I think it's a fantastic matchup, different styles. I, I love the chess match between Kyle Shanahan and Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. There's just a lot to like about what's going to happen here. I have not been overly impressed with the Niners over the last few weeks, even their comeback win against the Rams uh, last week, which I think was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was a fun, fun game to watch. But the Niners, for whatever reason, have the Rams number. So I have a hard time really putting a whole lot of weight into that. And having said that, you know, it seems like Dallas is getting healthier. They're starting to put things together. Uh, that defense is fantastic. They finally got those pass rushers uh, with between Lawrence and Randy Gregory and Micah Parsons healthy. I just, I feel like Dallas actually could come out and really jump all over the Niners. And I don't think the Niners are built to come back if they're down more than a touchdown or 10 points or something like that, because that would require Jimmy Garoppolo to be playing at a level where they know he's going to pass and he still has to make those plays. He's really, really good when he's handing the ball off and can do play action off of that. They can use Debo in different ways in the run game, but that's a lot more difficult to do when you're down a couple touchdowns at halftime or in the third quarter. And the other team already knows that that's what you want to do. So can he perform at that high level when the running game just isn't totally clicking or at least isn't clicking at the level you need it to to be successful in that Kyle Shanahan offense and so for that reason I really like the Cowboys in this despite the fact I've been talking a lot of trash on about them in this podcast so uh yeah that's kind of the way I'm leaning but I, I love this game I think it's going to be so so fascinating Jim what do you think I'll take it a step farther with my lukewarm take of the week and that's uh we, I love, think this is the we game. love lukewarm takes on the I know, team. Nothing I've, heard, but. I've heard I think this is the game of the weekend I think when we're looking back, this is going to be the most exciting game. I think it's going to be the closest game. Maybe it's because it's also the only game we have this weekend where the two teams haven't played each other yet this year. I was looking at that today, and that stood out to me. They, they haven't faced off yet this season. Dallas, they're the highest scoring team in the league, but when I looked that up, I was a little surprised to see that number because, yeah, they've had some big games, but it feels like they've had so many duds. They've been such a Jekyll and Hyde type of team. Debo Samuel is my favorite player in the NFL right now. And it's not just because he was on my fantasy football team that won a championship, <laughs> humble brag. Figured that was but coming. <laughs> he is just so versatile and so fun to watch. If they gave him the ball 20 times out of the backfield, I think he'd run for hundred yards. If they threw it to him 10 times, he'd have 150 receiving yards. He is that big of a difference maker. And he runs so angry that he lifts up that entire team when he makes plays, make, missing, making people miss tackles. Just the way he plays the game is so much fun to watch. The Cowboys have a guy like Micah Parsons on defense that can easily be a game wrecker on that end of the ball, too. I agree with what you said, Aaron. I think if, if the Niners get down big early, it'll be over early. I just think they have the kind of offense that can control the ball, keep the offense off the field, and get it down to the wire. I think it's going to be a great game. I have no idea who's going to win. I fully agree with all the points you made lawyered great job by, <laughs> by both, 
by both sides on this one. I have thought a lot about this game and have, have fallen on, on each side and where I think I land is this. And maybe this is a little bit of recency bias because I was very busy with, with work work last week. And I actually watched the condensed game just to see how exactly the Niners made this comeback against the Rams and that offensive line just kicked into gear. They're, they're not a team. Obviously they're built to, to play a little bit more horizontal and, and utilize the short passing game a little bit more that that's essentially what their offensive identity is. That's why Debo Samuel runs the ball and and catches crossing routes, like an absolute boss. I look at this game and just think that this is a terrible defensive matchup for the Cowboys. I think they could absolutely, especially Trent, Trent Williams is certainly a, a big factor in whether or not he plays. He's, he's looking like he's going to play uh, their, their stud left tackle. It looks good so far, but I, I just, I see the Cowboys Leighton Vanderesh just isn't the fastest guy in the world. And he's a, he's a key part of their offense and say all the great things you want to about their defensive line. And Aaron, you touched on that too. I just, and Parsons is obviously amazing. And, and that secondary is pretty good. That secondary is not going to be tested that much. Cause that's just not exactly what, what the Niners do. I'm not comparing this Niners team to the one that lost to the chiefs in the super bowl, but we have to remember that Jimmy Garoppolo threw a dozen or so passes in that game. I, I don't know the, the number off the top of my head, the NFC championship game against the Packers where they thoroughly dominated them. This is in Shanahan's identity. I certainly think that the Cowboys could, obviously win this game but this just feels like a bad matchup for the Cowboys and that's coming from a guy who hasn't really felt like he can trust the Niners all year if Garoppolo throws a couple interceptions and and he's prone to throw a couple of 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 bad balls and who knows if one of them gets turned around for a pick six obviously that's in the realm of possibility so do I do I come into this game thinking Garoppolo offense Niners offense has this for sure. No, I don't think that at all. But what I do think is that the Cowboys personnel and Shanahan's scheme ability certainly is a recipe for, for the Cowboys to lose. So, but again, highest scoring offense in the league there, the turnover differential between these two teams is wild. San Francisco minus four on the year. The Cowboys led the league in turnover differential. So in my heart of hearts, I absolutely think that's kind of what it boils down to. If Garoppolo has a bad game, if Garoppolo has to stretch the field vertically, then the Niners might be in trouble. I just, for whatever reason, I, I trust that, that Shanahan is going to come up with a good game plan and, and give the Niners an absolute fighting chance, even though the Cowboys have uh, more, more guys on offense that you, that you trust. And also the Cowboys offensive identity has been a little out of whack too. I, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how Zeke hasn't gotten as many touches as you would think that they would this late in the year. Are they preserving him for the playoffs? Who knows? But uh, Tony Pollard could be coming back as well. Uh, he's on the injury report. We're not, I'm not exactly sure what his status is, but this one is very intriguing and it's definitely two contrasting styles that I'm excited to, to see uh, anything that you'd like to lawyer based on, on that little <laughs> diatribe right there. The only thing I want to add is I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, and to me, you know, this, maybe I'm putting too much weight into this, but this also has that, that historical context, similar to what we were talking about with the Bengals earlier. 
not only is it a Niners Cowboys matchup, which all through the nineties and the eighties, I mean, this was such an iconic matchup that we would see in the playoffs seemingly every other year, but even more so, I mean, think about the, the playoff failures Dallas has had over the last two decades. I mean, it has been year after year and this group, this core of Dak and Zeke and Dexter Lawrence and some of those guys or excuse me, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, they went through this in D- Dak and Zeke's first year, the rookie year when they had the buy and then ended up losing at home. So they've had a lot of playoff failures at home. And I think that could certainly weigh on this team as well, especially if you, as you mentioned, if the Niners start playing really well, if they control the game, control the clock, if the Cowboys start getting down or they're not, it's not able to be the game that they want it to be. I certainly could see that history, those ghosts start to come back a little bit. And then the last point, quickly was just on Garoppolo. Uh, he still got that injured, that injured thumb. It didn't look like it made a gigantic difference on month on last Sunday, but having said that I could certainly see hit that come up again, if he starts getting hit a little bit. So I don't know. I'm really, really excited. Like I said, like I agree with Jim hundred percent. This is the best game of the weekend in my mind. The one thing I like about what the Niners do, you mentioned Van Der Esch, uh, Dave, it's that they use the middle of the field. They run those in routes with Brandon Ayuk. They run the in route with Debo. They run the in route with Kittle. And Kittle's a guy that you feel like, just looking at the numbers, hasn't had that great of a year, but in a matchup like this is potentially a difference maker. So I, luckily for 49ers fans, the game's indoors. So you would hope that would help with the some situation for Garoppolo and the grips on the ball and things of that nature. So yeah, I'm just excited for that one. Vanderesh is very good. I'm not, you know, it's just, it's, it's, if he's got to chase, if he's got to chase a guy across the field, uh, you know, if, if, if matchups can be drawn up and, and he, he's a guy that I just don't know if he can catch up with, with some of these wide receivers or running backs that are going to be involved in, in the short passing game. So, Why are you got to pick on the cowboy caller? I'm sorry. It's uh, it's uh, <laughs> watching YouTube videos of him playing seven on seven in high school, though, is always a very entertaining proposition. If you haven't done it, I fully recommend he's the largest guy on the field and it is not even close. So um, next game, LA and Arizona. This is the Monday night game. Our first Monday night playoff game. A battle of uh, some some teams out west. I think this is also going to be a really cool way to end uh, a great game and a cool way to end this weekend. Aaron, talk to me. Mm. You know, this is a tough game because as I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I really don't trust Arizona and I keep waiting for the Rams to put it all together and become the team that I think a lot of us think they are. And, and those two things haven't totally happened. I mean, you want to talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team. What on earth is going on with the Cardinals? I mean, they go into Dallas and they look like the team that played the whole first half of the season. And then all they got to do is beat Seattle and win the division, particularly when you see the Rams are struggling with the Niners and they lay an egg against a 10 loss Seattle team. That's been a mess all season. You know, they, they gave up 38 points with a defense. that was supposed to be pretty good. Gives up 38 points when Russell Wilson has been a disaster all year. So, I, I have no, I don't understand how we could trust Arizona at this point. The Rams have a lot of warts. Stafford has still been playing, I think, average at best at this point. Uh, that run game was a disaster last week, which is a big problem in a Sean McVay offense if you can't run the ball. Uh, that defense for the Rams certainly didn't play super well. I mean, for all the, the love and hype that Jalen Ramsey gets, and deservedly so, he gave up that long uh, completion to Debo that basically allowed the Niners to go down and score and tie up the game. In the, late in the fourth quarter. So there are a lot of problems with the Rams, but 
Kyler Murray has not been the same player once you get past October for the last two and a half seasons. He's had the same problems where he just looks like he's wearing down. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury has had some issues with some of his play calling. The defense seems like it's kind of a mess week to week. I just don't know how you can trust the Cardinals. I mean, I like the Rams, but to be honest, I don't have a clue because when you have two teams that were both in must wins and neither of them managed to pull it out, out against what I feel are lesser competition, that is a big red flag. So I, I would be picking against both of them if they weren't playing each other, but here we are. Jim, make a case. Before the season, I had the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I thought the addition of Stafford would be enough to put them over the edge. Uh, and I was a big, big proponent of them coming into the season. If we had asked this question at the end of October, mid-November, we'd be talking about this as an NFC championship game. And it's just, it's crazy to look back at these two teams. You have the Cardinals losing four or five down the stretch after being, I think, what were they, 10-2, something along those lines. And mm-hmm. This is a pattern for Cliff Kingsbury now. It's two years in a row. They lost five of seven down the stretch last year. So where are they? They don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. They've got weapons, but what are they really right now? Uh, and then you look at the Rams. They went two and five against playoff teams this year. And they're, all of their losses came to playoff teams. Win against the Bucks, which I think was week three. They haven't really had that game that makes you go, this is the team to beat. Cam Akers coming back, if he's fully healthy, he's a game changer potentially. I trust the Rams defense more than I trust the Cardinals defense. I trust Aaron Donald more than I trust uh, off-injured J.J. Watt at this point in his career or anybody else on the Cardinals defense. And and if you can run out Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, I'll take my chances with them. I like the Rams. I still think they have it in them to make a run if Stafford, Stafford can keep his head on. I just don't feel good about either of these teams. Long-term. Signature wins here. For the Rams, I have them with four. Indianapolis at home, Tampa Bay at home, at Seattle early in the year. Wilson was still healthy. For all intents and purposes, that offense was a little scarier. And Baltimore, Arizona. And keep in mind, a lot of these came very early on in the season when they were full strength and they were that team that we were really impressed by. At Tennessee, at Rams, home Niners, at Niners, at Dallas, obviously late in the year. So I don't know what to make of this one. You know, that defense had a completely different complexion when JJ Watt was, was playing and playing well and him going out, whether it's a leadership thing or a talent thing, I certainly think that if he plays in this game, that could give them a different complexion. It could free up Chandler Jones to, to be an elite Syracuse university alumni and, and, and play the type of, uh, you know, high, high level that he can. The Arizona offense isn't going to have Deandre Hopkins. They, for all intents and purposes, looks like we'll have their two headed monster at running back looking pretty good. And, and I do think that Arizona will utilize their run game and, and test that Rams front uh, in the run game, which could, be a different plan than we we might be expecting given given their air raid offense. So certainly I, I don't have any really thing very smart to say about this game. And, and I, I recognize that. And, and I'm just excited to watch this one as a fan. I, I certainly think it could have a lot of intrigue. It could incredibly be an incredibly high scoring game. It could also be 
uh, one of those weird defensive games if 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 both teams' offenses come out flat and and their defenses play well. So uh, don't don't really know what to make of this one, which I I I know is a lukewarm and mediocre take, but that's what we excel at, and and that's that's how I feel. I will I will watch this game incredibly neutrally. Really excited to see kind of what happens and how things shake out. So self-awareness boys self-awareness <laughs> all right a game that i know means a lot to you all uh after uh years were taken off of of, of these two steeler fans uh lives last week it's a game that's already been chatted about as sort of an afterthought and we know the reasons why we know that it's the steelers sneaking in we know that the steelers got crushed in kansas city not very long ago the game, the line is 12 and a half in Arrowhead. Tell me where your head's at. Steeler fans, I'll, uh, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Madelinsky and Martin, we'll go in alphabetical order and start with Madelinsky at MAD. Go ahead. Minus 12 and a half <laughs> in the playoffs is a number. That is a big number. And it, we're, taping this when we are is great because we got to listen to Ben Roethlisberger today come out and basically say as sarcastically as we've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger, we don't even have a chance. Let's just go have fun, which you know in that locker room is all they're talking about. They know they laid an egg three weeks ago. It was one of the worst games of the year next to the Bengals game. But there's nothing on paper that would ever give you any indication that the Steelers should or could even be in this game, let alone win it. Their linebackers have been atrocious the entire year, top to bottom. But here's where I'll give you the – it's just one of those years, potentially. The Chiefs are looking to go to their fourth straight AFC title game, their third straight Super Bowl. It just doesn't happen all that often. It doesn't happen a lot. They've been up and down. They've been good, great the last half of the year. But they've shown that they can lay the potential egg out there. And you never know. If you can ride that Big Ben wave and – kind of just stick around a little bit and see if we can get it to the fourth quarter. Maybe you've got a game. I'm not sold on it. There won't be any dollars put down by me on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win on Sunday. I can tell you that. Um, But who knows? I I don't see it happening. But like I said at the beginning when talking about the Eagles, it's been a weird enough year that I think a seven wins. I just don't know which one. And I don't think it's the Steelers. (laughs) Aaron. Yeah, so let me just quickly take you through my thought process. I have had the biggest love-hate relationship with the Steelers team because they are dreadful to watch. It is dull every week. You got to watch Roethlisberger skip or flat-out overthrow, what, half a dozen passes every week? And as a fan, I'm sitting there saying, oh, I'm rooting for them. I want them to succeed. I want them to make the playoffs. Well, that's more and more my heart while my brain is saying, what are they doing? All they're doing is th- screwing up their only shot at getting a future quarterback. So it's been a really weird season as a Steeler fan. Uh, having said all that, I mean, I agree with Jim. I don't think, like everybody else in America, I don't think the Steelers have much of a shot. Forget about how good Kansas City is. They're just an awful matchup for them. I mean, if you think about what Kansas City does well, uh, it, which is just about everything, but they attack the middle of the field. They have, they're good at getting Travis Kelsey in favorable matchups. Well, the Steelers don't have anybody who could even remotely cover Travis Kelsey. Uh, Joe Schobert, Devin Bush, Terrell Edmonds, they've all been torched by him multiple times over the years and including three weeks ago. I think the Steelers will put up more of a fight because I think that defense will find a way to play a little bit better than they did. 
I don't have any faith that the offense can put up 20 points, let alone enough to win this game. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than, as Jim was saying, I'll watch it as a fan. I'll be rooting for them to find a way to do it. And I think it'll be one of the biggest upsets in NFL history if they figure out a way to beat this team. But I, I just don't see how it happens. I'll defer to the experts on this one. I certainly see a world where the Steelers uh, pound it out with Najee, get the short passing game working, keep this thing, keep keep Mahomes off the field. I, 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 I see the world where it could happen. I just... Mahomes this time of year in Arrowhead just just feels like it's it's an incredibly difficult matchup for the Steelers. But look, if they, they weren't able to generate as much pressure uh, in the first matchup in Arrowhead uh, along the defensive front, I think that's going to be integral to them having a fighting chance. Uh, TJ Watt seems to be a little bit healthier than he was uh, in the first game. And I certainly, I, I see a world where, you know, Mahomes has been prone to, to make a mistake or two. And, and who knows if that's, that's something that we could see bleed into the playoffs. Obviously this is just a different year and who knows what'll happen. The signature wins thing. This one is an even five, five matchup based on, on what I have here. So essentially I have Kansas city's home against Cleveland home against Dallas Vegas home chargers and Pittsburgh as their signature wins. I put Pittsburgh in just because of the, the thrashing that it really was. We, we very, very hard, generous of you. Hard yeah. to forget that one <laughs> Steelers at Buffalo at Cleveland, Baltimore twice, big divisional games and the Tennessee game at home. So the Steelers absolutely can win games when they need to win games. And, and who knows if they can, scheme it up and make it happen. I, I wouldn't have a ton of faith if I were you all, but I also think that to Jim's point earlier, been a weird year and, and who knows what can happen. That's why, that's why we get here. That's why we play the game. And uh, it's going to be, that'll be a good one to at least watch and see how it shakes out and, and what kind of magic the Steelers might be able to manufacture uh, both on, on both sides of the ball to, to try and make that happen. Offensive line certainly has been feeling like it's playing a little bit better, but that game last week against the Ravens was kind of messy, but they came back and they got the job done. It's taken 27 points to beat the chiefs this year. That was the lowest total in a loss that they've had. Mm. Steelers, Steelers haven't scored 27 since that game in Minnesota where all of that was garbage time pretty much anyways. And then things just got weird. I have a hard time seeing them get to that number. I really do. It's just, that offense is hard to watch. It's hard to follow. As a fan, it's frustrating. And it, 27, this is one of those games where you're going to need a defensive touchdown, special teams type play, something along those lines for, for you to be in this game. So that's, that's all they can hang their hat on, in my opinion. And just quickly on that point, I think the only chance the Steelers have is ball control if they're able to run the ball effectively, which they've had at best mixed success with this season. And they need a, a situation like when they got that win against Tennessee, where they get four turnovers, uh, two of them come in the fourth quarter, and it's able to be this, this ugly game where they win the turnover battle by, by four or five or something ridiculous like that. I mean, short of some re- insane situation where you know Mahomes has a full-blown self-destruction and they're able to get turnovers in the end zone or in the red zone, I, I, just can't, I just can't see a world where it happens with anything logical. But to our to the point we've been making throughout this podcast, there isn't a lot logical about this season. So I I guess, I don't know. <laughs> the number one seed in the AFC lost to the Jets. 
Like there you go. <laughs> that's the yeah. kind of year it's been, and the you Texans. know, like and the Texans. And the Texans. Yeah. yeah, it's just so bizarre. It's been so much fun. And I'm I it's gonna be a fun few weeks. Like I know that for sure. Awesome. Well, we're going to recover uh, and go over some of our uh, best bets. Uh, speaking of, uh, of things to to chat about here that are are positive, uh, Jim Jim will not be giving out any best bets. So, Jim, uh, really appreciate you joining us and chatting with us, and uh, we will we will keep the group text alive and well, obviously, with you uh, through the weekend. When the number seven seeds lose by a combined forty five points, I'm sure the text messages will be flowing this weekend. So. Looking forward to it. And we'll, anytime you guys will have me, I will gladly join you. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Aaron, we are on fire so far with T's and TD's a combined seven and two in our best bets in the two weeks of this podcast. It will all go terribly wrong. I joked last week that if people are listening, they should do the opposite of what we're saying. That especially applies this weekend, especially since earlier in this podcast, I said, I really don't know how to evaluate this game when talking uh, (laughs) about LA and Arizona. So there we go with the self-awareness. Just to recap last week. So we went four and one week one. We went three and one week 17, three and one week 18. You were 2-0 hitting a Chiefs-Cowboys-Titans money line parlay. Thank the Lord you didn't toss the Colts in there. And (laughs) you also very expertly diagnosed the Giants' offensive woes against the Washington football team. Case in point, the third and nine QB sneak on their own five or six yard line. The Giants. But don't forget the no. second and 11 QB sneak right before the third and nine QB sneak. So <laughs> my bad. Joe Judge. Yeah. Joe Judge really made me feel good about my pick. There you go. So uh, those were Aaron's picks. I very amateurly just thought that the Seattle Arizona game was just going to be an absolute grind out affair. And it was anything, but that thing sailed over, I think uh, at the beginning of the third quarter. So pardon me on that one. Uh, however, the Vegas chargers over, we, we had overtime always helps matters. And, and we got the, uh, the extra three at the end to, uh, to seal the deal and seal the Steelers playoff fate, but one and one for me last weekend as well. So Aaron, big anticipated moment amongst the 15 people probably listening to this podcast where's your head at as it relates to your best bets for this playoff weekend and and i think we're related to 12 of those people too but <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> i'm pumped for this one so there's two bets that i really really like the the first one is actually the first game of the, of the week the raiders plus five and a half for me, just too many points for a team that keeps finding a way to win. I mentioned earlier that the Raiders have basically been playing playoff football for a month now, and all of their games have been tight. They've kept it within three points. They're winning. They're finding ways to win. They're just a really, really solid team. Even if on paper they don't have the talent, they have found a way to get into these games and win these games. I'm really tempted to take the money line in this. It's almost two to one plus 188. That's how much I like this team, but I'll settle for the points, the five and a half, the nobody believes in us Raiders. How the heck are they make the playoffs in the first place? And now it could be how the heck did they win around with a coach that nobody's ever heard of and Rich Passacci and a quarterback that seemingly they were trying to get rid of for years and Derek Carr, yet they still find a way to do it every, every time. Uh, obviously the Henry Rugg situation, the Gruden situation, this team is at everything thrown at them and yet they've still found a way to get to this point, 
They have nobody believes in us written all over them. So I love the plus five and a half uh, for the Raiders and we'll be all over those points. I will let you take your second one soon, but I could not stay away from the total in this game. It, it feels 48 and a half. The, the exhaustion factor from the Raiders is certainly something worth thinking about. Obviously that was, that was a, a, a intense game that they played on Sunday and they're being asked to prepare for the Bengals and fly to Cincinnati and play this game. However, that number being below 50 gets my attention. And I just, I see a world where, where Waller gets more integrated into this offense. We joked about the emergence of Zay Jones a couple you know, last week, but certainly he feels like a guy that uh, Carr has, has certainly come to rely on everything that I feel about the Raiders offensive line and Jacobs breaking off some kind of chunky runs and being able to keep, keep drives going and, and put Daniel Carlson in position to send the Steelers to the playoffs. All of those things, I feel like combined with the offensive talent that the Bengals have, I, I, I am surprised that that number is, is 48 and a half. I, I would get antsy uh, at about 52 and a half. Uh, and obviously a lot of people know a lot more than I do, but that's certainly something that, that just feels low given how we kind of think that this, this game could go uh, and, and how well Derek Carr seems to be playing and how uh, much of a inconsistent performances we've seen out of the Bengals Bengals defense. So and just uh, over 48 point, and a half. Yeah, I was going to say on that point, if you use a website that allows you to, to parlay those two together, you're looking at two, two and a half to one uh, in order to get the over and the plus five and a half. I mean, I, to me, that uh, parlays can be dangerous, but boy, does that, that look like a pretty juicy one, especially getting some uh, pretty good plus odds on that. Tell me about your second best bet. This is also a point total, and I uh, give you an idea on how low you feel the uh, 48 and a half is. Steelers, Chiefs, 46 and a half. Boy, does that seem high to me. It seems really high. Now, their total points a couple weeks ago, three, almost three weeks ago now, was 46. So you're talking about a situation where they hit that point and the Chiefs scored 36 of those points. Now, I think the Chiefs' D has been pretty strong in the second half of the season, and the O has been able to control games when they have to, which I think could be this type of game where they decide instead of just slamming on the gas, let's score as many touchdowns as possible. I think the Steelers defense will play a little bit better. And I think this will be a little more of a, of a brawl where the chiefs decide, you know, third quarter, we're up 10 points. We're going to run the ball because the Steelers have the 31st ranked run defense in the NFL. So I could see this game going a little bit differently than the first one. I don't have any confidence that the Steelers can score more than 20 points as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast. And I think the defense will be just good enough to keep the chiefs from really blowing this thing wide open. So 46 and a half hammering the under, even though I hate rooting for unders, it is boring to root for unders, but this is an under that I can't wait to jump on. My second best bet. And I alluded to this earlier and, and I can't believe I'm saying this and, and I, I believe it, I think <laughs> is, is, <laughs> San Francisco covering three feels against mm. the, against the Cowboys feels right to me. If, if, if the three is the three points that the Cowboys would get at home and Vegas sees these as an even matchup, I just, I just see a world where San Francisco schemes their way to a win here, given some of the personnel 
uh, issues uh, that I think that the Cowboys defense has given the style of offense that San Francisco plays, given some of the mojo that they have coming off of that comeback win last week. Look, Garoppolo is an X factor. I, I, I am betting on Jimmy Garoppolo, given the fact that he's been relatively inconsistent, has the bad thumb. I just feel like they come up with so many different ways to to move the ball down the field that aren't what the Cowboys have necessarily seen this year. And who knows if, if, if the way they play uh, takes the Trayvon Diggs out of the, you know, takes ta- the, the, the cornerbacks out of the game and, and really work the middle of the field. Like, like you, like you alluded to earlier. So I really like the Niners plus three. I just, I just think it's a tough matchup for the Cowboys. That's, that's kind of how I see it as somebody who doesn't know uh, much about football, but uh, just watches, watches these games. It, it, it'll, it'll certainly be a fun one, but I, I, I just don't see a world where, where San Francisco, I, I see a world where they definitely cover the three. Yeah. So really quick to a fun sprinkle could be if you decided to do a small tease, say get the Niners up to plus five, get the Raiders up to plus seven and a half, I know those are two road underdog teams, but ooh, I, I like that a lot too. You're getting, you're probably getting plus odds. I know you're definitely getting plus odds on that, probably close to two to one, uh, even with the tees. So, man, I, there's a lot of good, despite the fact that I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend for football. From a, usually when there's really good games, I feel like it doesn't always match up well with gambling because it, you have no idea what's going to happen. This is one of the few weekends where I'm really excited for almost every one of these games. And I see gambling possibilities in, in good chances on almost all of them in one way, shape or another. And which naturally means that we're going to get crushed. So, (laughs) yeah. I, I, I was also looking at a couple of teasing and I'm not giving this out as a best bet, but teasing some of these dogs up a little bit feels like this is a decent week to do that. I mean, the Raiders covering five and a half. I, I really like that matchup for them. If you get that number to 11 and a half or 12 and a half, that certainly is interesting to me. The Eagles, if they do play this ball control style and, and keep Tom Brady off the field, I see a world where they cover two touchdowns. Uh, if you tease that up six to 14 and a half from the eight and a half, where it is now and new England, I, I, you know, the, the, Josh Allen is one JC Jackson interception away from possibly losing that game. And one JC Jackson interception away from the, the Pats probably covering that game. And this was a great performance from Josh Allen, his, his probably his best game of the year. So these two teams have played each other incredibly close both times. Obviously the first one, it was a legitimate new England win, but, but a different kind of game. So I, I see a world where the Pats cover cover 10 as well. So if it, those are the three dogs that I really like teasing up with a six or seven point uh, tease to, to get plus odds on that and, and have those games at least be, be quasi competitive. So, and I, I should say the same about the Niners. If I believe that they're going to cover three, I, I should probably think they're going to cover nine or 10 as well. So yeah. Totally Aaron, any, any final thoughts, Aaron, as we, uh, as we get ready to, to bid adieu to one another and uh, lick our wounds next week. Yeah, just quickly, you know, I took my victory lap on the Raiders earlier, so I might as well sit in the corner with a cone of shame for calling the Colts as my dark horse Super Bowl pick. A couple I wasn't going to bring it up. I oh, wasn't going to bring boy. it up. <laughs> boy, did the night come rather quickly on that dark horse. Whew. Well, so, you know, uh, we, yeah. we, we talked about Wentz and, and not being sure if, if he, you know, they, they needed to win that game. It's as simple as that. So, All right. and, and as bad as things could get, just think it could be worse. You could be a Colts fan thinking, oh, we got Carson Wentz for the next couple of years and we don't have a first round pick. So that concludes super duper mega wild card weekend. 
Aaron Martin, Jim Madalinski, the gambling reporters. We will keep the group chat alive and well this weekend. Aaron, thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Enjoy Florida. I'll, I'll wave from the other side of the state. Hey, that sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me on as always. And I uh, can't wait for next week. All right. Everybody have a good week and good luck this weekend. Please bet responsibly. <laughs> Bye.